0: And welcome to another episode of Chatter, a podcast from The Gist, with me, Josh Hamilton. Richard Collett-White from De Smog UK was my guest on today's show. I wanted to get Richard on to chat about his article in which he explores the different lobby groups who have been resisting low emission zones in cities across the UK as part of a campaign meant to improve air quality in our cities. Air pollution can have a detrimental effect on your respiratory health and make you even more susceptible to respiratory diseases, which seems pretty relevant at this moment in time. If you haven't already and you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast and to our mailing list. And don't forget, my book, Brexit, The Establishment Civil War, is now available for pre-order on Amazon. You'll find the links in the description below. So, here's Richard. So, Richard, it's a pleasure to have you on my show. Great,
1: great to be here. Thanks for, thanks for having me on.
0: No problem. So we are here to discuss your article, which I will link in the description broadly. Um, it says, Revealed Lobby Groups Backed by Big Brands Resisting Clean Air Measures Across the UK. So basically, you're trying to discuss the uh, extent to which the the problem of air pollution is kind of ignored and how much that ignorance is led by lobby groups pushing for discussion or measures put in place to control air pollution to be uh, sort of tempered or held back. Uh, I mean, would you say that's a fair assessment of, of what you wanted to say?
1: Yeah, no. Um, I mean, basically, we we wanted to uh, kind of look at the opposition to um, air quality measures around the UK. Um, who Who are the kind of influential voices in this debate? Why why isn't um action on on air pollution um you know why why isn't there more action on 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 air pollution um why why are clean air zones um being delayed across the across the board um why does the government keep on getting taken to court um and you know lawyers finding that its strategy just isn't up to up to scratch um so yeah, that was that was kind of the thinking behind it. We wanted to to really dig into to some of those those lobby groups that often um you won't have you, you might have heard of of some of the companies behind them, but you might not have heard unless you work in the industry itself, then you won't have probably come across them. Um yeah, that's kind of the where we where we were where we were kind of wanting to come from for this. Mm.
0: So why don't we start with uh, what the actual effects of, of air pollution can be upon people? Because uh, I feel like that's, that's kind of where you start. And I feel it's a pretty, pretty good place to begin in the article, at least, just because of the, uh, I mean, there's some, some effects uh, that, well, yeah. So why don't we start with like, what, what, what from your research can, can air pollution do to people? Like what, are the, what are the actual like medical ef- like effects upon people of like poor air quality?
1: So yeah, there are lots of different health impacts from from air pollution. It increases the risk of heart disease and lung cancer. Um, The other big one is is asthma. Um, In fact, during the first lockdown, the the British Lung Foundation found that um, asthma sufferers were were experiencing um, considerably reduced symptoms during that time because there was so much less traffic on the road. Um, So yeah, there are lots lots of problems that, can arise from from poor air quality there was a, a, a big kind of landmark study in in 2016 that found that um around 40,000 um early deaths per year were, were linked to it um and as as much as 20 20 billion pounds um in cost to the economy so it's it's a it's a big big issue um i think it's it's grown in prominence in in the last few years um the government's now kind of describing it as um, as the largest environmental risk to public health um, and I think particularly in the last few months we've really um, we've we've discussed this issue a, a, a lot more than than previously I think um, the kind of disproportionate impact that it's that it's had on on kind of deprived communities on BAME communities and some of the potential links there are between you know bad air quality and and coronavirus um they're, they're still kind of being being worked through and more research needs to be done but um it does seem like air pollution could be one factor among many in in why coronavirus has kind of had a particularly bad impact on on some communities uh, more than others and then i guess you know people have had a bit of a a bit of a taste of kind of cleaner air for for the first time in 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 probably their lives um during during lockdown um so yeah i think it's it's a it's a growing growing concern um but unfortunately you know there's still still a lot more that that needs to be done on it um the the kind of the technologies there to you know to 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 kind of start reducing pollution but it's not um i think there there, there are lots of kind of political obstacles in the way um and that's kind of partly why we wanted to to, to look into this
0: issue um. mm. i mean air quality is is definitely something that is incredibly important like to us at the minute at least anyway i i mean i remember reading this year that that like even like small periods of exposure to like like a air with like a high, higher level of particulate in it was was uh, like seriously increasing your risk of, of any sort of respiratory disease. Um, and then when you take that combined with the fact that we're, we're now facing this, this new respiratory disease um, right. and, and trying to figure out how to, how to prevent it uh, impacting or, or killing too many people and, and, and kind of understanding that like the, the pollution side of, of fossil fuels and, and burning fossil fuels has, has long been the thing that I feel people don't consider in this, in the debate about about like the with Boris moving all the the or moving the target forward this or last week mm. for uh, electric vehicles, and and people kind of just look at it as if uh, as if it's a, it's just about the energy, and I feel like that's 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 obviously a huge part of it, but that's 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 only like half of it is is the the stuff like the the pollution at the source of where you're getting that, those fossil fuels and the pollution that's coming out of whatever factory or or engine happens to be burning them is is like such a huge part of it and that's the thing that that is as 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 you said actually i didn't know that the government had announced that is the thing that like it, is it more immediate risk to to us as people like in our everyday life it's not just like like floods or or, or warming coming at us 20 years down the line it's like if you you're breathing in bad air now like you're gonna be causing serious health consequences um for yourself so they, they want to designate London as uh or they want to they, they want to designate a lot a lot of inner cities as as clean air zones like w- what is a clean air zone and and you sort of mentioned in the article that the government had been forced to bring them in and 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 through a a number of lawsuits like do do you want to explain like what those lawsuits were that led them to be forced to like push this policy forwards Mm,
1: yeah sure so um just to give a bit of of context so a clean air zone is a kind of it's a scheme designed to reduce air pollution in a specific area usually a kind of city center that's got a particularly bad um air pollution problem um it's similar to, I guess, I mean, the L- London has had um, a low emission zone for a number of years now. It's now also got a, an ultra low emission zone um, and it's a similar scheme. Um, you can get different different types of them. So some of them can just target um, you know, commercial vehicles. So London's low emission zone is just on commercial vehicles. The ultra low emission zone also includes private cars um, and you can have non-charging um, clean air zones, so they 'll often just use sort of softer measures like um, so Southampton has um, southampton's introducing a, a non charging clean air zone um, which is just trying to encourage um, encourage people to to get rid of older more polluting vehicles um, trying to kind of consolidate um, freight on lorries so they 're not not using so many lorries um, those kind of softer measures and then you can get um, charging clean air zones which actually um force people to to pay um a levy when they enter enter the zone if they're if they're using a, a vehicle from um in the case of diesel vehicles it would be from about um 12 years ago um and then from sorry <laughs> um, for a petrol vehicle it would be about 12 years ago or older and from a diesel vehicle um around four years um and yeah, these are basically designed to try and accelerate the the shift to, to to cleaner vehicles, try and encourage people to avoid sort of pollution hotspots, um, and basically yeah, bring bring these cities um to within legal limits, um, because the UK has has lots of um clean air legislation. Um, And it's got lots of targets on on uh, on bringing down air pollution, Um, but it hasn't done a great a great job of of that so far. And that's why um, so there's an environmental law charity called Client Earth, which has been taking taking the government to court um, in recent years. Um, It's now taken the government to court three times successfully, and basically found that that the government has been has been failing in its in its uh, in its air quality strategy, and it needs to come up with with a more sort of um more ambitious, more thorough plan to, to tackle it. Um, and that's why lots of um cities are now considering clean air zones around the country. Um, but still we've got by according to the latest figures, we've got about 90% of local authorities that are still breaching legal limits. So there's still a long way to go. Um, and lots of lots of these clean air zones have been delayed or they've been kind of watered down. So some vehicles have been uh, made exempt from them um so yeah there's there's a lot still that that needs to be done um and um, yeah basically in this in this investigation we we wanted to figure out who who were the kind of key opposition voices um to those to those schemes and potentially who who might be responsible for um, uh, for those delays and for um for that kind of sluggish response to to what is quite a yeah quite a kind of pressing pressing issue um so as you were saying before i think people don't necessarily um yeah they're not not so aware of it um as a problem it's a kind of it's being described as you know the invisible killer people don't see it that it's just all around them there isn't you know it's not like 50 years ago when you had smog in london um you you it's just it's it's very very kind of fine particles that are you know entering our our bloodstream and are entering our lungs um and yeah they're, they're just not kind of on people's on people's radar it's not it's not as sort of um it, uh, yeah it's not a, such an immediate um kind of threat to them i guess mm. um,
0: it's not as glamorous as some some polar bears without somewhere to, to live right <laughs> you don't get as many clicks no it's a shame no it is a shame i mean
1: the polar polar bears are important as well but um i mean public health is also is also pretty important
0: (laughs) i mean i feel like the, the 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 covid crisis in general means that governments will be forced i say i think i hope forced to take like public health problems like really seriously like if scientists are coming to them and saying okay we think like for example, that study you referenced—like forty thousand people a year are are dying early because of because of air pollution—and and, and they, I feel like that the, the argument that it either costs too much or it's too invasive or we don't have the right data—like all of those arguments have just been just completely like blown out of the water because you you can you can't shut down the whole country for the deaths of not that many more people than than are are dying early because of air pollution. Like you, you can't you can't say that and then say no. Well, things like this, they're not a problem. Like we haven't got the money, or it's not possible to do something about it. Like the argument against sorting this out is 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 very rapidly uh, disappearing.
1: <laughs> but yeah, so, I, I think so. I mean, I think every everyone agrees that that we need to to improve our, our air quality. You know, you look at the polling that gets done on this on this issue. People really do do care about it um obviously it, it it's yeah it's different when someone's um you know when someone's uh ability to to use a vehicle is potentially threatened by it um and they they find that you know their 20 year old diesel vehicle might not be able to enter a, a, a city center uh, without paying a charge that's that's when i guess you know people have have concerns about it um but yeah, I think I think most people do feel that um, more needs to be done on this and and clean air zones were kind of pre- presented as a really fast, effective way of kind of targeting the problem. Um, you know, targeting targeting the problem at source and and uh, and yeah, just getting getting us down to to within legal limits, essentially. Mm.
0: Um these are government limits, right? They're the ones setting it. This is this isn't something that's like an international standard. It's like the, their own standards that they've set.
1: Yeah, no these these are legally binding targets that that the UK's adopted. Um, there are more stringent um, standards um, that are recommended by the World Health Organization, and lots of campaigners are are trying to kind of push push for those to be adopted. Um, but yeah, we're not even. We're not even meeting the ones that that we've adopted ourselves as, as a country um, at the moment hmm. So uh, you say that
0: there's there in the in the article and, and and stuff you've referenced there you're talking about the groups that are campaigning against these low emission zones, especially those um, the charged ones they seem to 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 provide the most pushback like what like who are these people and like what is their their argument against um, these clear clean air zones like do, do they have a point or or at least part of a point?
1: Yeah, so um most of the oppositions coming from probably unsurprisingly the, the, the road transport industry um across the board. So you've got um the haulage haulage sector, so lorry, lorry companies, lorry operators, um car rental businesses, taxi groups, um motorcycle groups even, um, just lots of different kind of trade associations that represent those those industries. Um and then you've also got more sort of um i guess more outspoken pressure groups like you know the taxpayers alliance um a group called fair fuel u k um they're, they're groups that are kind of they'll dis- they'll describe it in much more emotive terms they'll kind of call it a a stealth tax they'll call it a tax grab by councils um and yeah they'll they'll argue that um that it has a a big impact on on kind of low in, low income um families on small businesses um and you know that it's it's just it, by forcing people to upgrade their vehicles you're going to yeah you're going to really um affect their 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 finances um so there is you know there's there's obviously room for room for 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 debate here um and disagreement um but i'd also say that um you know if you if you're accepting that this is a a problem and you need to get rid of those m- most polluting vehicles um experts would would say that you'd need to kind of put a price on that and you need to kind of um yeah you need to um penalize that 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 kind of polluting behavior and encourage um yeah encourage alternatives encourage um even even just more modern um petrol and diesel vehicles are going to going to produce produce less less pollution but also um you know electric vehicles um or just you know using using public transport using um active travel what they they call active travel so just walking and cycling rather than than using your vehicles um as a sort of incentive um but yeah I'd, i'd say I'd say there's 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 definitely an argument to be had um but often I think some of these groups aren't necessarily doing it um completely uh, i don't know i think some of these some of these groups aren't necessarily doing it completely honestly I think they're potentially exaggerating the the impact that that some of these schemes might have on on their business and they're just kind of kicking up a lot of A lot of opposition to it um, when actually it might have a a relatively mild impact Um, because often these these schemes they're not just kind of introduced immediately they're going to be they're going to be given a few years um, for people to kind of adapt there's going to be lots of support coming from from the government and councils to to kind of help people with with grants to to upgrade their vehicles Um, and yeah definitely you could argue that that there's not enough there but um, I think you can get a bit bogged down, maybe in these um, in these arguments, and and then kind of nothing. Um, yeah, nothing moves forward on it. So I think,
0: um, yeah. And well, we've got a good example um, of one of these clean air, air zones and the ultra low emission zone. Like you, like you kind of actually mentioned the uh, in in London. Like they've had the congestion charge since. Ooh, it's got to be at least fifteen years. I think since they had the since the congestion charge was first brought in, maybe I'm wrong in that, but it's not it's not it's not a really recent thing. So like, obviously, central London hasn't died because of the the congestion charge. <laughs> um, so is there was there examples of of people of these like grievances being draw like shown to be a problem in in London that you're aware of, or or was it was like, it just sort of been accepted? And and people have have dealt with it.
1: Um, so just I mean on on the congestion charge um, scheme that that wasn't um, principally brought in to, to tackle air pollution. It's you know it's 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 in the name. It's uh, it's about you know trying to stop stop congestion. But there there, there have been other schemes um, in London that have had a really um, quite significant impact on on air pollution levels. So the ultra low emission zone that came in. Um, in the last couple of years um that's really brought pollution levels down down quite a lot and there's and definitely we found when we were looking at at these groups there was um there was pushback from them and and you know they they said um just wouldn't be wouldn't be it wouldn't be effective it wouldn't um you know we'd 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 go through all of this financial hardship for nothing um but actually you know they 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 have had a had a positive impact um and yeah, I think yeah, you just have to look at look at the data and, and see what's changed. Um I mean obviously the, the flip side to it is that there's a lot more traffic um at, at the moment. So that's kind of undoing some of the some of the work from from uh, emission zones, from people buying buying more modern vehicles. There are just more more of them. Um but yeah, it's uh yeah. <laughs> so one sure
0: of yeah one, on. a, one of the schemes that is kind of put forward um mm. quite often is like a like a, a scrappage scheme so i think there was some mm. people that you'd referenced in the article were pushing like a 1.5 billion pound um scrappage scheme for older diesel vehicles um and you've mentioned that like that these regulations don't come in immediately they give people time to upgrade or move to something slightly better but um Is there, are the, are the like modern diesel vehicles actually, or modern petrol vehicles, like straight up as well? Are are they more, are they safer really for people? Because, um, I mean, I've seen like Volkswagen obviously uh, is the, are the big culprit. Like they, they were faking their emissions figures. They were, they, they had a program in the car that knew when it was being run, like on, on like a test track. Or rolling road in order to so that it would then produce lower emissions when it was being tested and then when it was tested in real world conditions that the results were were very different like uh, are modern vehicles like are modern engines really like cleaner because i've seen people talk about how you just can't see all the the problematic particles anymore it's not smog or soot piling out pouring out of them but just really tiny fine particles that that, that get into your lungs
1: already like is are the modern vehicles better like that much better yeah it's it's, it's a good question i mean there, there definitely have been technological improvements um you know you get <clears throat> you get filters on on vehicles nowadays um and they definitely help filter out some particles um and engines are becoming becoming more efficient um but as you say you know that there, there's there's one thing looking at the at the data that companies provide and then there's a whole other question how that actually performs in in real life conditions and that was the whole um whole issue around around the Vox Volkswagen scandal with these defeat dev- devices they're called um that were just yeah cheating the cheating the emissions um uh readings um I mean there's yeah there's there's definitely definitely improvements happening um but as you say some of the some of the time it's just it's that the particles are getting getting smaller and you can't actually measure them as as easily um and this this is this is definitely one of the um one of the arguments that that some of these groups make around um around diesel is that they say oh well, we were we were misled um by the government basically new labor told us um that that diesel was was the kind of Great green alternative, and we should all be switching to to diesel vehicles um, because they do they they produce less co two per mile so they're so from from a climate perspective um, as opposed to an air pollution perspective they they are better for for the environment um, but obviously if you're if you're wanting to and yeah they're, they're not they're not a huge amount um i think there's there's a kind of pretty marginal difference um between the two i think it's something i mean it's not it's not marginal there's i think it's something like 10 percent maybe um difference between the the co2 emissions so there is there is a a certain um you know certain reason to to, to switch um for, for those reasons but but yeah i would say um if you're wanting to to tackle tackle air pollution within within cities then you've really got to try and shift away from from diesel and, and petrol altogether and and go go to electric vehicles go to go to public transport go to active travel um and that will that will reduce reduce emissions a lot obviously that's it's not not possible for everyone to do that overnight um i don't think anyone anyone would would argue that um because you know obviously the cost of cost of electric vehicles are are um certainly higher up front um, but but yeah overall they're they 're kind of across the whole life cycle and and the just how much cheaper it is to to run them um it definitely definitely makes sense and obviously that's that 's not possible for for some much bigger vehicles like lorries. you are getting some electric lorries being developed at the moment but um but yeah it's uh it's it 's something that needs to happen gradually and if if people can be encouraged to to upgrade their vehicles and get rid of them, you know, a 20-year-old's diesel. There's, there's, there's a definite difference between, you know, a 20-year-old's diesel and one that was produced last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess one other thing to, to add is that there's, there's a problem with, I guess, people buying ever ever bigger vehicles. It's something that we didn't really address that much in, uh, in the investigation. It, it wasn't really being discussed a huge amount um, at, at that point when we were kind of doing the, the main research for it. Um, but, but yeah, there's, there's, there's been lots of, lots of studies showing that people buying more and more SUVs and, and bigger vehicles is, is kind of undoing a lot of the, a lot of the, the, um, the kind of improvements in, um, in emissions. I, I guess that's, that's maybe more of a, more of an issue for the climate change rather than than air pollution. Cause, um, yeah it just takes a a lot more energy to to power those those um those bigger bigger vehicles um but yeah i think that's
0: that's why everyone everyone needs to ride their bike and Mm. take the electric scooters um, (laughs) which is possible yeah
1: are they still banned in london um they yeah i think i mean you see you see some you see people going around on them anyway um and i think they're i think they're gonna have a pilot scheme next year or or relatively soon on them um but yeah it's not like paris where there's tons of them all over the place Mm -hmm. but um but yeah obviously obviously you can't you can't you know you can't um can't use them for for everything no one electric no one's scooters that. for everyone um, that's how we solve yeah. covid <laughs> um but yeah it's um as yeah there's there's definitely definitely a difference between between the older older vehicles and and the more modern ones but but yeah it's just just not as not as clear cut as um as perhaps the manufacturers might hmm. might want you to to believe yeah um, i mean it so- certainly it certainly hasn't just kind of solved the problem just with with uh, yeah, with more modern modern uh, versions.
0: Yeah, so I want to go into um, some of the the lobby groups here. So because you've, mm. you've listed some of the statements here from from different groups, um, and and you're kind of like calling them out essentially for their difference between like what they're lobbying for and what their statements saying. So so for example, we have groups like. Tesco, transport is another important emissions hotspot. Asda, we are committed to reducing the environmental impact of our operations, the goods and services we sell and the suppliers who make them. Um, they're part of the Freight Transport Association, the uh, British Vehicle Rental and Leasing Association. People like Enterprise, uh, Smart Europe Car, that one, uh, Hertz. They said Hertz works to make sustainable mobility a viable global reality. So essentially, these people are are on the front preventing their 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 goodness and and wonderful um green credentials and at the same time they're they're kind of lobbying for something that would be in some people's book considered the complete opposite of the things they're espousing in their in their press releases (laughs) um like are they being completely disingenuous here um do you think or is there is there are they trying to like walk a
1: line yeah, I mean we, we wanted to kind of compare compare the the sort of positioning and the marketing um sort of materials of of some of these these quite well known companies, you know, supermarkets, as you say, like Sainsbury's and Asda, um and some of the kind of quite glossy, um glossy promotional materials that they were making about um about what they're doing to 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 tackle air pollution and environmental issues generally and then looking at what the lobby groups that they're members of so it's not it's not so much that they're doing they're doing this lobbying themselves it's they're they're members of trade associations who are who are kind of meeting with with politicians and um running campaigns and replying to um you know consultations um that councils are running on on uh introducing clean air zones um and there's there's definitely definitely a mismatch between there between the between the two um the two positions and i think there's you can definitely argue that there's there's a level of of kind of greenwashing going going on there um because you know they'll they'll tell you that that they care care so much about um tackling tackling air pollution um but clearly these these groups are to some extent slowing down um the adoption of 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 those me- measures um i don't know whether i'd say um they're being completely disingenuous you know they are they are making some some efforts um you know some of the responses that we that we got back from from the companies when when we went to them for comment um you know they would they'd highlight some of the schemes that they're involved in um so um the John Lewis partnership which is um, a member of of uh, logistics uk which was one of the kind of key groups that that we um that we looked at in this investigation who'd who'd actually admitted in in an internal document that we found um that they'd been deliberately delaying um lots of these clean air zones for as for as long as possible um so the john lewis partnership which owns waitrose and john lewis has a very sort of green image of of itself um they said well look we're we're um yeah we're we're bringing in lots of lots of schemes to electrify electrify our fleets um you know electri- electrify our our vehicle fleets um and yeah, and they said that they were um converting vehicles to sort of run on biomethane that's that's produced from food waste so they're they're definitely doing doing a certain amount to, to tackle, tackle the issue. Um, and obviously, you know, I think it's understandable that they'd want to, um, sort of defend, you know, they want to defend their, their, their interests to, to some extent, you know, they don't want to be slapped with, with big charges that are going to going to impact their, their businesses. But I guess the, the key, key issue, I think is, um, is is a definite lack of lack of transparency um in all of this that you, it was actually really difficult to find out um who who the membership of of these groups were you know that we would go to them and 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 ask um you know can you confirm or deny um that you're a member of 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 this group and in most cases they just they just refuse to um and the, the trade associations themselves don't you know they don't publish um membership lists or anything like that so um yeah, I think there's there's a certain level of of dishonesty there that that they're not willing to kind of actually just be open about um, you know what their what their lobbying is and and what they what they really want councils and national government to do because um, there's a lot of stuff that obviously happens yeah a lot of stuff that happens behind closed doors I guess um, and it's only you know people people like us I guess who like look through all of those those internal documents and actually find out what they're, what they're saying. Um, and that's only, that's the kind of stuff that you can find just through kind of open source, um, uh, kind of research. There's obviously a lot of other stuff that, that won't be documented anywhere. So you've never, you've no idea exactly what they're, you know, what they're saying. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely say there's, there's a, there's a, there's a discrepancy there between the between the two, um, and I think that's what people probably find a, a bit kind of um, unethical, I guess, about what what they're doing. Um,
0: and one of the one of the quotes that that oh, well, it's not it's not a direct quote, but I'm paraphrasing a little. But basically, the one of the points you you try to make at the end is that the the lobbying impact in in this area is is much greater than than we all realize. And I think it kind of speaks to something that's, that's just beyond this issue. Um, something I brought up earlier then before we, before we started recording was just that quite often, like, we don't realize the A, that, that like, I, I guess you'd probably even be, be struck to find anyone that would be concerned about how much money just random companies like, like supermarkets or, or whatnot are, are willing to pour into lobbying efforts. In order to have policy changed and 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 how much sort of how much influence that all has on on not just like the the, the clean air zones for example that have been kind of pushed back upon but but in a lot of policy um like the relating to climate change and, and across the entire government that that there is the this kind of unaccountable lobbying going on that's that's not quite out in the open for us all to see and and I guess that, that means we tend to underestimate its impact
1: yeah no absolutely I mean um I think that quote that you that you gave was from uh from an academic who who's been working on on this stuff for um for years and years and years um and you know it's impossible to I guess ever you know say with absolute certainty what what the impact of of uh of this, of the lobbying of a of a certain group has, has been, and there's obviously lobbying that happens from um, from you know environmental campaigners and health campaigners who want to want to have more um, more action on this. Um, but I guess it's just when um, yeah, it's when they're not being completely um, completely open about it to to their customers um, or to to the general public um they're not actually saying what their what their positions really are um and i think also another aspect of of the investigation that i found really interesting was um looking at the the links between some of these groups and and politicians and we actually we found um i mean this i think this is quite a good measure of of uh you know their level of influence and their level of of access to um to policy makers was you know we found um around 80 there were 85 um connections to to MPs and peers either through um what are called all-party parliamentary groups um which are basically kind of forums for um a particular um company or campaign group or um just kind of issue issue group to bring together politicians who are who are interested in that um uh to kind of give them that, that direct link. Um, and, you know, we found tons of um, current ministers, ex ministers, shadow ministers um, who, were, who were connected in this way. Um, so just to give an example, there's the, the Road Haulage Association, which is one of the, the groups that we looked at who have been very um, kind of opposed to, to these clean air zones. They have um, a Conservative MP called Mike Penning, um in their appg he's a former roads minister there's a real kind of i guess revolving door of of uh of yeah people who have, who have worked in this area and they're, they're they should be kind of keeping at a distance i would say from from the industry um and yeah they're just they're they're, they're pretty yeah they're staying pretty pretty close to it um you know they've made all of those contacts and and uh and that's 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 what they're going to do um i guess there's i mean yeah so some of those those politicians were were through the appgs some of them were just they'd just kind of spoken at events or they'd said that they were very supportive of of the particular groups but they're, they're certainly yeah they're, they're influential influential groups that most people have never never heard of um and there's definitely a, a level of um level of coordination going on it's not always so easy to to spot um but often they'll kind of write joint letters together to councils they'll form form coalitions they'll you know they'll publish um yeah they'll publish articles in in the press um uh on on these issues um and yeah i think i'm not sure um, what, your, what your original question was. I think I've gone off on one a little bit. Um, That's right.
0: I mean, uh, I guess the, the, the biggest issue there is that it's totally legal. Um, right. You know, the, 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 uh, I find it very difficult to believe that, that people will, will choose by the, the, the moral of their own, you know, so by the strength of their own morals to, to decide to not take some, some nice easy money, either whilst they're still an MP or after they've been a minister. Um, and while it's still legal, I think that they're probably going to continue to do it. Um, unfortunately, but uh, that's why D smog are are doing fantastic work in um, sort of trying to unveil and bring to light some of these shady sort of backroom connections that that have more influence in our politics than we realize or would probably want. I don't know. Maybe maybe you're all for like a pure kleptocracy, but I am. I am not. Uh, <laughs>
1: So what- yeah, I mean yeah. <laughs> I was, no, just going to say I mean like there, there isn't always <laughs> there isn't always money involved, but um but yeah, we 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 certainly found that 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 there were lots of very kind of close relationships um going on that would facilitate um some of these groups um you know feeding their their points of view and their their messaging into into the political political system um and yeah i think that's that's a pretty good good indication of of how much um they're potentially swaying swaying the debate um on this
0: um yeah those groups that don't want to say if they're connected to to them or not like the uh, you said that you went to a number of different um, companies, and will you confirm or deny your your part or your your membership of this this council or group? And they just don't even want to tell you, like the answer yes or no. Like that's bit like if you bre- if you're that defensive about something, then you're probably not playing things as you would like everyone to believe you are. To mm, them, yeah, for the, yeah, for the most honest explanation <laughs> or the most
1: right. Not yeah, searching. I mean uh, yeah if if they yeah if they're if they were happy to, to put their name to it then then it would be a it would be a different issue. People could judge judge it based on um on their own points of view, but if they're yeah, if they're they're not willing to to say then that's that's a bit of a problem. Um yeah, we found it found it quite surprising really. Um I mean I mean
0: obviously No comment sort of suggests yes. Uh to me. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so it can do, it can do. Um but just kind of going back to the 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 funding issue. Um so some of the, some of these so the, the, the trade associations themselves, um it's it's pretty clear when you've you know that they've, they've got lots of companies who are who are members and sometimes um sometimes they'll they'll um they'll admit to, to, to who's who's on that. Um on that list but then with some of these kind of pressure groups like the taxpayers alliance um they'll just be completely um tight-lipped um about it you know we 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 came across um one little bit of of kind of funding information uh, about them and that was um that they'd taken donations from a um a group called the Midlands Industrial Council that that no one's really ever heard of but yeah they're they're quite long standing um group of conservative donors pro, very pro brexit um and they include companies like um or at least representatives of um j c b um and international motors um that are clearly companies with with a vested interest in in this area um and if they've been giving to the taxpayers alliance through through the midlands industrial council um to kind of fight these these schemes. Um, and they 're just not not disclosing that anywhere then that's yeah that's a that 's a real problem for for transparency and and uh you know i think the health of of our sort of democratic system um because they 'll often be you know they 'll be be quoted in the in the press a lot um, and they 'll you know they 'll organize events claiming that they 're kind of part of a sort of grassroots um movement against uh against a particular scheme um and that might not always be the case they might be representing um big wealthy you know corporate interests um who would potentially lose out if if some of these schemes were were introduced Mm. um
0: i've never met that many grassroots activists concerned about corporation tax (laughs) 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 that's all i'll say on it Um, right so yeah um this has been been fantastic uh if is there anything you would like to point people towards aside from uh, the the article uh, that you've written for the smog i will I will link it in the in the description but is there anything else you'd like to point people towards
1: uh well we we alongside the the investigation we launched this big big database um listing all of these different groups um and we kind of went through where in the country they're they're particularly active so if you're you know if you want to find out what's happening in in your particular city and which groups have been been particularly um, vocal there on, on a particular scheme. Um, then, then have a look at those. Um, there's also a big map of, of, of some of these, these connections that I was talking about between politicians and the lobby groups and the companies who are members of them. Um, so yeah, do do check out those if you're, if you're interested. Um, but now I just say, you know, keep an eye on, uh, on who's being, who's being quoted in the, in the media on this. Um, and you know, look at, look, look on their website, see what, see what they're, see what they're saying versus, versus what they're doing. And, and if, if you think there's a, a mismatch, then, um, then, you know, it's, it's worth, worth asking, asking questions if, if nothing else.
0: Hmm. Couldn't have put it better myself. So Richard, <laughs> uh, thanks very
1: much oh thank you it's been been great
0: thanks so much for listening if you haven't already and you enjoyed this episode please subscribe to this podcast and to our mailing list and don't forget my book brexit the establishment civil war is now available for pre-order on amazon you'll find the link in the description below until next time thanks so much for listening